Welcome to True Self, a podcast about seeking to know who we really are using the language of astrology. If you're trying to heal from disconnection, if you want to know yourself better, and if you're looking for a deeper sense of purpose and meaning in life, you're in the right place. I'm an astrologer in Buffalo, New York, and I started studying astrology when I didn't believe in it. It was a kind of exercise in making my own meaning out of life. Seven years and a major career shift later, I'm passionate about the powerful language astrology gives us to understand our lives, and I teach people that language so they can build ever more rich, meaningful, and purposeful lives for themselves. Thanks for tuning in. Where do you find beauty in this world? And how do you create beauty? How do you pull individual things together into a whole new thing, creating a new meaning out of what were once separate pieces? People have different ways of accessing this part of themselves. Some people make art with paint or clay, some arrange flowers or plant them in a garden. And for some, the instinct spirals out into less tangible things. They make art out of bringing people together to achieve something they couldn't do individually. Or out of arranging and understanding numbers in a new way. I'm thinking of spreadsheets there. (laughs) The harmonizing, synthesizing, beauty-seeking impulse is in every human being. And that's what Libra is about. In this episode, we'll talk about the sign of Libra its meaning, and the goddesses we associate with it, and what it means in your own birth chart. That is, what part of your life it characterizes. Okay, here we go. In the last episode, I talked about how Aries and Libra are each other's perfect complement and opposite, and that they go together like front goes with back. Aries represents the survival instinct for an individual, and Libra represents recognizing that you can actually only survive as part of a system, a community, an ecosystem, and that you have to balance the needs of the whole system to make it. That's very true. Libra is about group survival. But Libra, ruled by the planet Venus, is also about art. Libra represents the concepts of group survival and of art. This is one of those mysteries of astrology that you have to be willing to dig into a little bit before you can start to get it. So we're going to dig into it. To understand this, I like to think about the Babylonian myths. Our astrology descends from Babylonian astrology, and once upon a time, the planet we now call Venus, which is the planet that rules Libra, was called Ishtar, and that's the Babylonian goddess of love, beauty, justice, and war. You can see the legacy of Ishtar in the scales of justice that represent the sign of Libra today. Ishtar was the most beautiful, the most alluring, and the most powerful of the gods in the Babylonian pantheon. In Babylonian myth, she conquered every single other god except her sister, who ruled the underworld. 
I tend to see the Roman concept of Venus we've inherited in the West as really downgraded from the Babylonian concept of Ishtar. The Romans kind of only accepted beauty and charm and art in their definition of Venus's domain. There was no justice, there was no conquering. (laughs) And that's a lot less than what uh, Ishtar gives us. When we remember Ishtar, we can remember that beauty and love and art are these heady, intense powers. They're more powerful in the view of the Babylonians than absolutely anything in the world except for death. Why would they think that beauty and love and art are more powerful than anything in the world except for death? Well, beauty slash love slash art is a concept we could shorten to eros, E-R-O-S, to understand it better. Eros is the spirit that moves us to create with others, and sometimes that's in the literally sexual erotic way, but it also refers to the non-sexual ways that we're drawn to create. According to Diotima in Plato's Symposium, Eros is the spirit that moves us toward others in the spirit of creating anything, of perpetuating ourselves, leaving something of ourselves, sharing something of ourselves with others. That could be babies, but it could also be art, music, inventions, harmonious political systems. Libra is the sign that best characterizes that spirit of Eros. It's what moves us toward others so that we can create something and perpetuate ourselves in some way. The part of our charts that is characterized by Libra is the part of our lives where we look to create harmony, where we're most diplomatic, most concerned about peace within a group or a system, where we want to feel sweetness and ease, where our unique sense of beauty emerges. Our Venus placement will have something to do with that as well, but our Libra placement uh, gives us information about where our sense of beauty emerges. So let's talk about how the signs affect your own life, looking at your personal chart. If you'd like some help with understanding the signs in your own chart, there's a link to a worksheet in the show notes that will help you follow along with the first 12 episodes of this series as we work through the signs. The show notes are on my website, which is 8th.house, that's numeral 8th.house. The best way to listen to this section is to listen for your rising sign, which is very specific to you personally. But if you don't know your rising sign, you can listen to the section for your sun sign. That's what most people know about their charts. For example, if you were born between March 20th or so and April 19th or so, you would be an Aries sun. That's what we're usually talking about in pop culture when we're talking about astrology. So you can listen to that if you don't know your rising sign. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so there are three building blocks of your birth chart. The signs of the zodiac, Aries, Libra, etc., Uh, Those are character traits, descriptions, characterizations of things. The houses, which are areas of life. So there are 12 signs, 12 houses. 
And then the planets, which describe parts of the self. And when you put them all together, you end up with planets in different houses, characterized by different signs, having conversations with each other. And that creates this very complex and beautiful picture of who you are. Today, we're talking about the house of your birth chart, the area of life that is characterized by the sign of Libra. As an FYI, I use a system called whole sign houses. That means we're talking about one sign per house. Okay, we're going to start with Libra and Libra rising. If you're a Libra rising, your first house is characterized by the spirit of Libra. Lots of people experience this as a pretty heavy focus on diplomacy and making sure the people in your environment are feeling good, uh, being really driven by harmonious relationships between people is the most typical way to experience our Libra-ness um, in our sense of identity. Other things that come up for Libra risings, when, when you have a Libra first house, I realize now I forgot to say the first house is about identity. That's what this part of our life is. So anyway, when you have a Libra first house, you are identifying with harmony, peacemaking, beauty making. It's not uncommon for a Libra first house to have a lot of artistic interests, um, to be an artist. Also, this is a rising sign that we associate with physical beauty as well. So those types of things might play into your identity. One of the most important things to understand as a Libra rising is the way that you identify with one side of the polarity and how that affects the people that you end up attracting and bringing into your life. So when we think about the first and seventh houses of our charts, the first house is our own identity, and the seventh house is where we see our partners, our close friend, friends, anybody we have a one-to-one relationship with. So if you're a Libra rising, you're identifying more with the characteristics and traits of thinking about the whole, thinking about the group, and you're identifying less with the characteristics and traits of protecting your own self, taking care of your own self, being kind of fierce and feisty about uh, protecting. Uh, so you'll probably end up attracting those kinds of people into personal relationship with you. The reason I want to talk about those two houses together is they represent, in some sense, ego and shadow. And so when we understand that we actually contain those feisty self-protective qualities too, and that it's okay for us to contain those, we can be harmony-loving and also feisty, that can even out some Libran tendency to uh, not pay attention to our own needs and to focus exclusively on the needs of others, which can over time create a uh, kind of passive aggressive rage 
<laughs> that has to be dealt with. So it's good for Librans in general to be conscious of the fact that they definitely do contain that will to protect themselves and to kind of try to bring in more approval of that over time. If you're a Virgo or Virgo rising, Libra represents your second house. The second house is the house that we associate with worth and value. I particularly like to call about call it the house of self-worth because the way that we value ourselves tends to show up in the second house. So a Virgo rising will tend to value themselves according to how they create beauty and how they create harmony. You can see this in all kinds of different ways. Um, it can show up as uh, similar to a Libra rising, kind of an over-identification with being the peacemaker. And then it also can show up as really placing a lot of value in how you create beautiful things. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that I know a lot of Virgo Risings and I feel like they tend to be particularly proud of or fixated on how they keep their house and like how they decorate and stuff. Um, that kind of reflects that tendency to find worth in Libran qualities. If you are a Leo or a Leo Rising, then Libra represents your third house which is the house of day-to-day -day communication, how we're talking to people on a regular basis. It also has to do with our siblings and family relationships that aren't our mom and dad or our partner or our children. So cousins, aunts, uncles, that kind of stuff. So with Libra as a third house, a Leo or Leo rising is likely to... In their day-to-day -day communications, the people they talk to every day, the conversations they have every day, be focused on keeping harmony and peace in their interactions. So one way this might show up is a Leo or Leo rising being particularly interested in making sure that they're coming across as nice and that people like them. For a Leo rising, the sense of beauty that we associate with Libra emerges in daily conversation and the connections that they have to people. That's where that sense, that deep aesthetic of beauty shows up for a Leo or a Leo rising. If you are a Cancer or a Cancer rising, then Libra characterizes your fourth house. The fourth house is one of the major angles the major angle houses are the first and seventh and the fourth and tenth. That means just that it's really important. And the fourth house is about your roots, your family, your origins, and we also see your home show up in the fourth house. So to have Libra characterizing your fourth house means that in early childhood, you learned how to create peace and harmony. For some people, that might mean that they learned that from very peaceful and harmonious parents. For a lot of people, it means not that. It means that they learned how to create the peace and harmony in their home. Oftentimes, it also means that they learned how to make their home uh, beautiful as a child. So 
I realize now that I use this as an example for Virgo risings and I shouldn't have done that because a Cancer rising is particularly likely to really, really need their home to be harmonious and beautiful, to need to have those Libran qualities in their home. For a Virgo rising, it's more like I get my sense of value out of my perception of my own aesthetic, like how my aesthetic comes together. With a Cancer rising, it is very explicitly specific to their home, the way that their aesthetic comes together. And the sense of beauty that emerges in these these Libra traits in the fourth house, you can see that come up in the way a Cancer rising or a Cancer approaches home. It's one of the signs that is most likely to be described as a homebody, and you see that reflected in this fourth house Libran energy. If you're a Gemini or a Gemini rising, Libra characterizes your fifth house, which is the house of creativity and fun. I think of this as one of the reasons that Gemini can be such a creative genius, not to overstate it, but you know, to have the sense of beauty and harmony characterizing the part of your life that is about fun and enjoyment and creativity is pretty cool. It means that you've got just a lot of creative energy for bringing things together, creating meaning, creating art, and that your sense of beauty emerges in your creativity, in what you create. If you're a Taurus or a Taurus rising, Libra characterizes your sixth house, which is the house of your daily habits and of your service. So it can characterize our work environment. Uh, It does characterize our work environment. Your day-to-day work environment is characterized by the sixth house. That means that the sense of diplomacy and meeting everybody's needs we've talked about with the sign of Libra tends to show up in your day-to-day work life. And it also means that you have Libran energy in the way that you form habits. So this is the actual opposite of, in the last episode, I talked about how Scorpio risings have Aries characterizing their sixth house, and that means they can have a lot of energy for developing habits. Libra is, as opposed to energy, it's more like ease. So Libra in sixth houses can actually have a pretty tough time uh, forming habits. It depends on what else you have going on there. But sometimes that can be a little more of a struggle because it's a place where we tend to want to enjoy ourselves and (laughs) create beauty. And that and habit formation don't necessarily always go together. If you're an Aries or an Aries rising, then Libra is your seventh house. That's your house of partnerships, intimate relationships. It's the house that is traditionally associated with marriage and also with enemies because the seventh house is anybody we relate to on a one-to-one basis. So that includes our best friends and our partners and our enemies. In the last episode, I talked about the fact that if 
you're in Aries rising, you're going to identify more with the side of this polarity that is about feistiness and protectiveness and less with the side that is about diplomacy and protecting the interests of a group. And so you'll tend to find those traits of protecting the interests of, of the group or the collective in your partners and people that you become close to because you're identifying more with the other side of the polarity. Another thing to think about, though, as an Aries rising is that if Libra tells us a little bit about where our sense of beauty emerges in our lives, then an Aries rising has their sense of beauty emerging in their intimate relationships, their close partnerships. And for me, that's one of the things I really love about Aries. Aries can be a lot, but there is such a gorgeous, simple sweetness to the way they view the people they love. And... It's one of my favorite things about them. That said, one of the uh, sort of interesting things to consider when we think about the enemies correlation here is that an Aries sense of beauty can also emerge in their relationship with their enemies. That kind of comes to this warlike nature of Aries. They can have really beautiful enmity with people. In other words, like a sense of poetry can emerge in their uh, intense, uh, difficult relationships with people as well. If you're a Pisces or a Pisces rising, then Libra characterizes your eighth house, which is the house of birth, death, and transformation. This is the house where we let go of old selves and we are reborn into a new self. So... Having Libra characterized as that house means first that a sense of balance and equilibrium is going to be very present in the transformations and changes of a Pisces rising uh, and very necessary also for a Pisces, Pisces rising. Another thing that it means, though, again, to come back to this sense of beauty emerging is that that Pisces, Pisces rising can find a lot of gorgeousness in their transformations. If you're an Aquarius or Aquarius rising, Libra characterizes your ninth house. The ninth house is the house of growth, expansion, higher education, and travel. There are a lot of different ways that this shows up because the ninth house collects lots of themes. <laughs> um, and I've tried recording this Aquarius section several times because I'm having difficulty expressing it, even though it makes so much sense to me. But basically, Aquarius is concerned for the group generally. That's that's really what defines Aquarius, is concern for the collective. And so when they have a Libra ninth house, that shows us how Aquarius grows and is expanded by diplomacy and thinking about how everyone relates to each other. So I know an Aquarius rising who has always been very involved in community group efforts, working with block clubs and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know another Aquarius rising who does the same kind of thing, but more in like his artistic groups. So not necessarily like literal, the community he lives in, but an artistic community. And I think what I'm getting at is that basically the way that Aquarius Risings 
experience their Libra ninth house is that they grow and expand through having uh, diplomatic relationships, having people come together, basically, in that Libran way. And also, their sense of beauty in the world certainly does emerge through this growth and expansion that they experience. Okay, moving on to Capricorn and Capricorn rising. If you're a Capricorn or Capricorn rising, then Libra characterizes your 10th house. Your 10th house is the house that we typically say is the house of career. It is more explicitly the house that shows how you are seen in the world, kind of the fruits of your existence in the world, what category those come out in. And for a Capricorn rising, those come out in a Libran way. The way you are known in the world, your rep- reputation tends to orient around uh, creating beauty, creating harmony, being a peacemaker, being a diplomat. The public persona is basically defined by ease, balance, and diplomacy. When I think about Capricorn reputation and public persona being characterized by Libra, I think about Libra's refinement and charm. So I tend to think of Capricorn as the coolest sign, like the sign that just seems to have its shit together all the time, and it can be kind of intimidating. When you think about how the public persona comes off as this very refined and charming self, that all kind of works together. So that's the the Libran 10th house for Capricorn. The sense of beauty also emerges in this 10th house career area. So Capricorn experiences beauty in its career, in the way that it shows up in the world. If you're a Sagittarius or Sagittarius rising, then Libra characterizes your 11th house. This is the house of our social circle and our community. So a Libra 11th house, first of all, I said this in the last episode, when you have a sign characterizing your 11th house, it means a lot of people in your social circle might show up as Librans. So the broader social circle has more Libras in it, basically. But the other thing it means is that a sense of getting along evenness, equilibrium, is pretty important in your social life and the way that you participate in community. And it also means for a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising that a sense of beauty emerges in the way people come together in community. So if Libra is our sense of beauty and the 11th house is community, the sense of beauty emerges in the way you experience community. Finally, if you're a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising, Libra characterizes your 12th house, which is the house of the unconscious, the unseen, the karmic past, the connection to the collective unconscious. Experiencing your sense of beauty in your unconscious processes and the stuff that you can't quite touch or define strikes me as very Scorpionic. (laughs) The way that I perceive Scorpios experiencing this, and I'm saying perceiving because 
I don't think anyone ever actually knows what's going on with Scorpios. But the way that I perceive Scorpios experiencing this is enjoying what they cannot touch or define and enjoying these processes that nobody can really access in them. Another way to say that might be to say find a sense finding a sense of ease and beauty in the unconscious. That's just part of the magic of Scorpio, I think. Okay. That's all 12 houses. So I think all things considered, I'm doing okay with isolation. Nobody close to me is sick at this point. I know that that's probably going to change in the next couple weeks. So most of the current struggle is just anxiety. And as I think about the idea that beauty, art, love is the strongest force in the world next to death. I think about the fact that for the last couple weeks, the only thing that has calmed my anxiety has been reading poetry. And dropping into the aesthetic of the present moment, that's really what a lot of meditation encourages us to do, right? You connect to your breath, you connect to the feelings in your body, you listen for the sounds around you, sometimes you notice what you can see, and you just drop into the present moment and you experience it aesthetically, without judgment. There's no moral on it, there's just what it feels like. And that is the most important thing about Libra that is standing out to me right now at this moment in time is the importance of dropping into what I'm experiencing and the beauty of what I'm experiencing without judgment, including all of my horror and fear and not trying to make a moral out of it. I have noticed that There are COVID commercials starting, and I have noticed that I hate them. I really, really dislike them. And I think it's because of the the desire to make a moral out of this already when we haven't even gotten to the worst part of it. I find it upsetting. I was reading, on the subject of reading poetry, I was reading some Ann Carson last weekend, from a collection called Float. And I made note of this quote. She said, I say catastrophe is an answer because I believe cliche is a question. We resort to cliche because it's easier than trying to make up something new. Implicit is the question, don't we already know what we think about this? Don't we have a formula we use for this? Can't I just send an electronic greeting card or a Photoshop picture of what it was like rather than trying to come up with an original drawing. I think um, that's why I hate COVID commercials. (laughs) I think we have an opportunity right now to experience ourselves in a new way, 
find new feelings, express new things. We have never been here before. This is totally novel and totally new. And I do understand why it's comforting to reach for the the rally together cliched impulse. And it's not that I don't think we should in some sense be drawing together like in the in the best way we know how. But this is novel and there's as painful as it is, there is new beauty, new feeling, new aesthetic experience accessible here. And I think it would be a shame to miss that in our rush to cliche. So those are my thoughts on Libra this week. I'm trying really hard to tie together my experience of the moment with the subject I've decided to cover. And uh, I feel like I kind of got there. But if you are interested in giving me feedback on that, go ahead and send me an email. I'm at laura at eighth.house. That's numeral eight, T-H dot H-O-U-S-E. And leave me a review on iTunes if you would, if you enjoyed this, because that would help me a lot as I'm getting this started. Thanks. Lots of love to you. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.